Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, and welcome everybody to another episode of Podstruckling. I'm your host, Shwini Poo, and this is episode 314. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Prez, that is at underscore Presidente on Twitter. Prez, how are you doing uh, on this nice summer day? Uh, tired. I'm hanging in here. It's one of those kind of gross, DC humid days, so I'm avoiding outside. Ah, that sounds like a good idea on a gross, hot, humid day. Uh, we're not going to talk about that, though. We will talk about basketball. Before we get started, I do have to make a few announcements. The first being that the Strickland has an Instagram. Check that out. That is at the Strick.Lin on Instagram. We're posting all kinds of new content on there. The Strickland also has a YouTube channel where you may be watching this podcast. If you are and you haven't done so already, please hit like and then subscribe to the channel. That'd be a huge help to us. Strickland also has merchandise, which you can find on our website. Check it out. There are t-shirts, sweatshirts, hats, coffee mugs, water bottles, you name it. We got it. Check that out. Again, that is on our website at thestrick.land. Um, and the Strickland also has a Patreon, which you can subscribe to. There are a number of different tiers. There is a six-star tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland. This podcast that I host every Friday along with Prez, you also get access to the Strickland Mailbag, hosted by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, a.k.a. The Doug Bag, alongside Dallas Amico that comes out every other week. You also get access to the Strickland Discord, where the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There is a $9 tier that gets you access to Strickland Roll, my solo pod where I rant and rave about the next few more. You also get access to Wonderful premium articles by Matthew Miranda, one of the best in the business. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. Those come with a variety of additional benefits like listening in on pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day. Whether you choose to subscribe or not, none of this would be possible without you. And none of this would be possible without Bet Online, which is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code Believe BLEAV for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Um, the games are going on right now uh, in Summer League, which um, I don't care about. Uh, Prez cares a little bit. People care a lot bit. Uh, I am not one of those people, but they are ongoing. The Knicks have a game tonight against the fucking Magic or something. I don't know. They're playing at 8 on ESPN. I don't plan on watching it. Um, I hope the Knicks win. That'd be cool if they won some things and guys played well. But aside from like Jalen, who is it? Is it Jalen Martin? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, aside from him, and then there's that big fucking Ukrainian motherfucker on the team. Um, those two, and then Jeffries. Uh, the rest of this team, I'm just like, yeah, pretty sure none of you guys are ever going to do shit. Uh, but shout out Isaiah Roby, who apparently, uh, you know, has got a serious chance at uh, getting the backup four minutes, apparently, according to some stupid report from Michael Scott that came out last week anyway. Yeah, he has no chance. And 
I watched the other two games, not live, but I did watch them. And I'm pretty much watching solely for Jalen Martin. Just unless Isaiah Roby played extremely well, which he did not. There's just he's just that's just, he's just not it. He's not going to be part of this rotation. Um, and he doesn't have the kind of upside as a project for me to care that much. So literally the only person I care about is Jalen Martin. So I'll check the Jalen Martin minutes. Uh, like you, I'm not watching live. I will check the Jalen Martin minutes just to see how that goes, though. He's fun. I like him. I like what I've seen. Uh, I can like. I, I see the vision, you know, get him a three-point right. shot, and then I'm like, okay, I see it. That's And that is the extent of my uh, Summer League thoughts, so uh, I don't know if you wanted to leave some people with whatever you got out of it, but I, I am not the person to ask about anything related to Summer League, unless you want to ask me how much do you hate Summer League, in which case <laughs> I could go on for a long time. In which case, please fast forward to the <laughs> Patreon portion of this podcast. Um... Here's my quick Summer League Jalen Martin analysis so we can just clip this, have it for Twitter, and then keep it moving. Like are, you said, are you gonna before of- you before you finish, are you gonna do a Jalen Martin shot mechanics thread at some point? No, but I am gonna do a Jalen Martin video, which will include thoughts on his shot mechanics, which I will mention in the next ninety seconds. Uh for because we joke, but like one of the more hilarious things to me that exists now in the NBA that, or not, I guess not so much in the NBA, but more in the world of like players trying to make it to the NBA. Um, although I guess in the NBA too, like ever since Steph, Steph and his rise to prominence and legendary myth status, right? You have more players who are shooting more like him and less like 90s-style shooting, right? Like Ray Allen, like higher release Mm. and more quote-unquote two-motion, whatever you want to call it. And at first, it felt like the only guys we saw do the more Steffi-looking kind of release tended to be pretty good at it. But now we're seeing guys do that who are not good at it. Because that's just how they came up, how they grew up. But not everybody is going to turn out a good shooter with that default template. Just like not everybody was going to turn into a good shooter with the Michael Jordan Ray Allen template of how to shoot a jump shot. And Jalen Martin is kind of one of those guys. Like, if you look at how he shoots it, I could tell one of his instructions in OTE was almost like Tibbs with Obi, which is like, yo, if you even think you have an open shot, shoot that shit. Like, just just quick, shoot it, shoot the fuck out of it. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, this is your job is to put up threes and put them up. He does. He, uh, in OTE, he took like, I think the equivalent of like double digit threes per 100. Didn't really make many of them. In his first two summer league games, he's put up quite a lot of threes and not many minutes. And it looks good and it looks fast. And it actually looks kind of like Obi's shot, but too soon. It has not it has not <laughs> yeah, rest in peace. Uh, and it has not gone Genius. in. <laughs> so I'm sure Rick Carlisle will uh will get Obi's shot right as the uh, Indiana shooting co- shooting coach in the house. Um 
not, but it, it is it is interesting. If they can get him to like go from a guy who shoots a lot of threes to a guy who makes a lot of threes, then yeah, the rest of the fun stuff all, all of a sudden becomes kind of important, right? Like he's six foot six. He has like a six foot ten or eleven wingspan. He's nineteen, but he's actually not like he's kind of solidly built. Like he's not he's not a tank, but he's not a twig. He has hops. And he's really good in transition. The key is like can he can he turn that like frenetic energy into like half court cuts and one dribble closeout attacks and stuff like that. So really the bar is pretty low, but like you know, if it takes him two years to be able to hit spot up threes and attack one dribble closeouts, he'll be an NBA player, which you know, I don't know if it'll be on the Knicks, but that'll be pretty successful for an undrafted guy. So uh, I'm rooting for him. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, look, I know everybody was really upset that the Knicks didn't draft anybody, but um, I personally think it's actually quite inspirational and maybe cutting edge that they have adopted the Miami Heat strategy of only having undrafted rookies. So uh, Miami Heat model. <laughs> yeah, who's to say that uh, the Knicks are not ahead of the curve yet again, you know? Uh, no, I, in all seriousness, I actually think it's good that, look, there's not going to be, he's not going to play this year. That's fine. He's going to play all his shit no. in Westchester. That's not good. anywhere, not, not anywhere in the real NBA. Yeah. He's going to be playing in Westchester. That's fine. You know, you can see the vision. I think the shot is really far off right now, but, um, I think like what's this, he's kind of like, I don't know, this is a weird comparison, but from what little I've seen, he actually reminds me of like. Mitchell Robinson a little bit as a prospect in the sense of with Mitch, it was like, I remember watching him in summer league and you're like, okay, this guy has no idea what he's doing right now. Um, but, but like the path for him to be a viable NBA player is very, very straightforward. Like there's no, mm-hmm. there's no ambiguity about like, Whoa, what do you need to do? What do, it's like? Okay. So just fucking figure out how to rebound, roll to the rim. Don't, hack people 5,000 times, you'd probably be a pretty good center. Lo and behold, very good center, Mitchell Robinson. Jalen Martin, it's like, if the shot comes around, I don't think, like, if the shot comes around, he's an NBA player. That's, that's like, basically what it is to me, because, you know, forget, like, shot creation, all that stuff. If all he ever can do is shoot threes and attack closeouts, like, he's got really... I don't want to say like 99th percentile athleticism because it's not that. But he's, he's a good athlete, though. Yeah, he's an upper echelon athlete. You can see that like visibly. You can really see it. So um, I think it's an interesting bet, and I do think it's interesting. I brought this up with Stacey on Monday. I do think it's interesting that you know whatever you think of Keels and, and Martin now as prospects, I do think it's interesting that after going like very, very experienced and productivity-oriented with their first couple of drafts, uh, that they have now veered into raw, toolsy, one and done type prospects um, that they have tabbed in these, you know, later in the draft in Keel's case and obviously undrafted in Jalen Martin's case. Um, I do find that interesting. It does remind me a little bit of like, I think for a long time, correct, you're more of a baseball guy than me, but I remember, I think if I remember correctly, one of the things Billy Bean used to never do was draft like, Oh, five tool prospect out of high school. And then everybody started adopting that. So he's like, okay, well, I guess now I am going to figure out how to draft the right five tool prospects out of high school. Um, and I think 
the A's have done a good job with that, although apparently not good enough to land a permit. It's been a long time. It's been a long time since the Moneyball era. Let's put it that way. Yeah, it's uh, but not apparently not so good enough to uh, to find a permanent home in Vegas. Apparently, um, all right. Enough random Moneyball and Jalen Martin talk. But uh, we have uh, an interesting pod lined up. But I do want to talk about something before we get into that. Because it's just like I've been, I don't know, I don't really know what triggered this thought, but I was like, you know, I was fucking on a hike this weekend, and I'm like, just thinking about shit, and it suddenly just dawned on me, like, very, like, straightforward thought, but, you know, we talk a lot about the Knicks moving the margins, and like, oh, like, offensive rebounding was a thing they found, and winning the possession battle, and what a good move to get Josh Hart. What a good move to draft a guy like Quentin Grimes and Manuel Quickly, sixth man, and all this type of stuff. And all of it matters. All of it is important. I'm not trying to dismiss it as unimportant. Um, continuing to find ways to improve the margins is a significant part of what their job will entail moving forward. And to that end, obviously, we both liked uh, the DiVincenzo signing. Um, some people don't like it as much as others, whatever. But the point is obviously figuring out like the guys that are rounding out your roster and playing more uh, specific role-oriented tasks. Uh, you know, nailing those is important. But at the end of the day, and this is kind of where my thought went, I was just like, at the end of the day, all this shit is just shit that we talk about and we can debate and muse over. None of it matters unless R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle hold up their end of the bargain. And Julius Randle obviously had a great regular season, all-NBA regular season. He has not been able so far, and I understand the injury stuff and whatever. Um, he's not been able to carry that over to the playoffs yet. Maybe that changes. R.J. Barrett, um, you know, I think people have often called him a Rorschach test. I think it's a lot simpler than that. When he's good, he looks really good. He looks like a prototypical NBA wing that can, you know, he's not the most aesthetically pleasing with eye-popping jumpers or anything like that, but you see the vision. Okay, bully ball wing who can get into the lane, get into the paint, spray it out for to shooters or finish at the rim and get to the free throw line a bunch and blah, blah, blah. Like, you see the vision. But but amid the vision, uh, there's also periods where he plays terribly. And he's been an inconsistent player for over the, the course of his four years. He needs to iron that out. But, like, I guess where I come down on it is I, there's just been a lot of conversation around, like, oh, well, you know, uh, what if the Knicks traded for this guy or traded for that guy? And I don't, like, those conversations are fine. I think people should have them and they're right to have them. But to me, it's just like, I guess why I thought of this is like, we talk a lot about, oh, well, you know, if we can trade this guy and, and get this, but all we're really talking about is like upgrading these high usage players on Slots. our teams. Right. Yeah. And so like, I don't think the Knicks are unaware of that. And then my final thought, as I kind of rounded it out, was I am not, or I have not been a high, big fan of one OG Ananobi uh, in Toronto. 
But my thought was this. Forget the health stuff. Let's just assume he's going to be okay moving forward. If you are the Knicks and you think, man, in a year we will have Joel Embiid, or in two years we will have X superstar, whatever. I have been pretty vocal about my skepticism that OG Ananobi could be the third option on a winning team. And quite frankly, I'm a little worried that OG Ananobi seems to really crave like expanded usage in an, in an offensive role. But that is neither here nor there. I guess what I'm asking is like, and look, we don't have, uh, let's say we don't have our Nikola Jokic quite yet. But is OG Ananobi really worse as a third option than somebody like Aaron Gordon? Yeah, that's what I was going to get to. I didn't know where you were going with this uh, hike nature inspired Walden esque <laughs> spiel. But uh, yeah, so like, I, I guess forget forget an actual name. Like, if you assume you have two high powered scorers at the one and two slot, like, what type of score? What type of scoring numbers? I, I know the way in which you get the numbers actually is important, and you can't just dismiss that for purposes of Prez's annoying podcast hypotheticals from his couch. But, like, I feel like for third options, like, you know, some score more, a little more, some score less. Um, the Nuggets are kind of funny because Gordon is, like, sort of the third option, but sometimes it's MPJ, right? It kind of depends on the series, but... I feel like, generally speaking, you're talking about an efficient-ish, I don't know, 17 to 23 points per game, right? Mm. Like, give or take, does that sound about right? I know, like, I'm thinking, like, if you got, like, Chris Bosh comes up as a third option, Aaron Gordon slash MPJ, um, on the Warriors, it was... When they had Durant, the third option was Clay. When they didn't have Durant, the third option was, uh, I mean, Dre sometimes had some high scoring games back then. Uh, Harrison Barnes, I don't like. Um, on the Heat, it was the Heat are fraud. So whatever, I'm not even gonna talk about the Heat. Uh, what? Are, who are some other? Uh, on the Bucks, it was Drew. Drew. Who, yeah, he was like I mean, he was terrible. He's terrible in the playoffs too. Yeah, he was the <laughs> he did not fulfill the high efficiency portion of this uh of this prototypical third option slot. Um, yeah, I mean, you so could, you could go back to like even. I mean, obviously he was an all star, but no, he's great, great, great. No, no well, his, well, no. Oh, what I was going to say is like this guy was also a great all star, twenty and ten player. But he was not that guy on championship teams, which was Chris Bosh. He was more of a role player, like offensively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, but he could because he was so efficient, he could still like right. fill it up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Chris Bosh. When I think of like third, third player on a championship team, I don't for whatever reason he just is the first person who comes to mind. Uh, maybe because that was the first like quote unquote big three of my like adult basketball fandom life or whatever. <clears throat> um, so yeah, I don't think. Uh, I I and OG scored sixteen point nine on like low usage. So is it worrying that here? There's two points. So is it worrying that he really wants to showcase OG on Anobi unleashed? <laughs> uh, 
probably a little bit because I just like you. I you know I'm I'm a fan of his, but I don't I don't know that uh, there's that much untapped. He's just so he'll have moments where he can bust out like a nice crossover and finish over and through people, but he has more more often is like when he starts dribbling the ball, you're like, okay, he's like, adventure time here. Like he's, he's like bagless Kawhi. Yes, that's a really funny way of putting it. And um, he has he has all the strength, but he like RJ actually shrinks himself very much on drives and kind of undermines his own insane strength. Um, he, I was curious because I know the Knicks like floaters, so I looked at all his floaters the other day on Synergy, and his floater numbers last year on small sample were good. It was like ten of nineteen, but they are the fucking ugliest floaters. Like it just. They just don't inspire confidence aesthetically. It's almost like those, uh, I mean, they're obviously different players, but those Julius Randle floaters, you're just like, okay, what is happening? And then he, he would shoot them or whatever. So anyway, my point is like, there's probably a middle ground between like Nick Nurse terrorism offense, putting OG into a 17 usage slot of just spot ups and play finishing and then random isolations. And then, on the other end of the spectrum, OG unleashed. And I suspect that OG, even with all his uncoordinated drives and very questionable finishing, if he was scoring 17 efficient points per game on like the strictest role player usage ever, he could probably get to 19 or 20 on a little bit more flexible usage, if not more than that. And I don't think that's really a crazy stretch for him just because like the, his offense is always going to be based on, be like buoyed by him hitting spot ups at a good clip and him being a six foot eight guy who can jump, who's just going to get a lot of dunks and easy layups by virtue of his athleticism and just knowing how to cut and stuff like that. So in that sense, it is similar to Aaron Gordon where it's like, all right, obviously Jokic changes the equation, but like they didn't really look for Aaron Gordon for creation. He he was getting a lot of his points off cuts, off mismatch post-ups, and just kind of slashing, like role-player slashing. With OG, you could probably sub out some of those cuts because we don't have Jokic for more spot-ups because he is a better shooter than Aaron Gordon. So in that sense, like if if you were telling me like, all right, in the future the Knicks three top scorers are like Embiid, Brunson, and OG, that's probably fine. Especially considering, uh, I would say that like Embiid and Brunson, that would be probably the highest scoring duo or one of the top three highest scoring duos. Like, just judging where they're going. I mean, Embiid, obviously, he's getting older, but he's, like, an instant 30 points per game, and Brunson is entering his prime, not exiting it. So um, that's a long way of saying, despite all my misgivings about OG, um, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, and then my final thought with that was just that, like, like, we can talk around it all we want, but the ceiling of this team and the ceiling of any team, really, um, is 
most determined by the abilities and efficiencies and blah, 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 blah of their highest usage players. That's yeah. basically what it is at the end of the day. So, again, like, if you want to tell me that, hey, Manuel Quickly sucks shit in the playoffs, we should try to sell high on him, fine. Try to sell high on him. If that's what you think we should do, fine. That's cool. That's great. That's wonderful. Um, but at the end of the day, as long as Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett are our second and third options or first and third options or however the fuck you want to parse it through, if those two guys are occupying those slots, then ultimately they will determine what the ceiling and what the floor is of this team. Because we have seen now when Julius Randle sucks shit for a season, this team probably is more closer to a play-in, low-end playoff team than anything else. And we've seen when Julius Randle has his shit together, they might be a high... I mean, they've gotten the fourth seed and the five seed. And I'm not saying that's indicative. Like, I don't think they were the fourth best team in the Eastern Conference um, in 2021. Obviously, that bore out in the playoffs. I do think they were actually better than the fifth seed this year. But anyway, the point is, they play really well in the regular season when those guys tend to play better. Um, especially in Julius's case. And I think it's relevant in RJ's case because there's a lot of reticence understandably, to move on from him because he's 22 and blah, 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 blah. I get all that. We don't need to debate that and whatever. But if that's your choice, if that's ultimately what the Knicks choose to do, or not that it's obviously just their choice. You know, you can't just move RJ to move RJ. You have to actually get something that was worthwhile. I get that. Um, but if you are, if you advocate, if you believe in RJ Barrett, then I think and Julius Randle, by the way. This is not to single out. I think it's really relevant to both of them. If you are championing these guys, then you also need... Like, I'm, I'm over the whole idea of, like, oh, Mitchell Robinson doesn't do anything with the ball. Quentin Grimes has to hit shots. Like, uh, I've never, ca- I've yeah, never cared at all Tibbs, for that shit. Tibbs, I've never cared Tibbs, at all for that shit. Tibbs isn't playing the right lineups and blah, blah, blah. Like, that's fine. You can sit here and fucking... I can talk about Tibbs and shit on him, and I can say, you know, fucking fuck, man. Josh Hart, make a three. Be normal shooting from three, please. What the hell happened? I can say, quickly, Grimes, these guys got to hit shots in the playoffs. All that shit is fine. But the ceiling and the floor of this team will depend on those dudes. And, like, we can't... Just like we can't have... R.J. Barrett have a shitty regular season like he did this year. We also can't afford to have, get into the playoffs, and Julius Randle is a shell of himself. You know, these things can't happen. And I think the team, as constructed, is good enough that neither of these players, if they are failing at the at, at this point moving forward, then it is on them. Like, I do not want to hear about, oh, the spacing isn't good enough. Okay, well, you want to know what might help the spacing? Is if R.J. Barrett wasn't in the 25th percentile as a spot-up shooter. That might help the spacing. Like, that that usually helps spacing. Like, you're a fucking wing. Shoot the ball at a reasonable clip. And it's not like he's taking... It's not, Like, this is not a guy that teams are like, oh my god, like, fucking just close out on him. He's, he's not taking hard threes. Yeah, these are not difficult spot-up threes. These are threes that you need to cash in at a professional, proficient clip and this is not a small sample size thing he has been a garbage spot-up shooter except for his sophomore year 
You can look through the numbers. He has not been a good spot-up shooter aside from his sophomore year. And on top of that, he is not this is he's not one of these weird guys, because there are guys like this, you know this press. There are weird guys that like aren't good at spot ups but are really good off the dribble for whatever reason. They're just more comfortable shooting off the dribble. He's not one of those guys either. So he's not giving you perimeter gravity. He's part of the reason why spacing has been awful. And I do think it's relevant that in the two seasons the Knicks made the playoffs, Julius Randle was pretty solid as a spot-up shooter. I think he was like 60%. Last year, I think he was 65th percentile. I forget what he was in 2020 and 2021, but it was a lot better than... like the In, in between, he was like 20, 21st percentile or something. And it's I think that's relevant. Like When those guys shoot poorly, this team struggles. It's going to struggle because you have two guys in your starting lineup that play together a shit ton who are not providing adequate spacing. They're not holding up their end of the bargain. And so, like, I don't think... In, like, I'm sorry, but if you have a lineup with Brunson and Grimes in it, if your spacing sucks, let me tell you something, Chief. It ain't about everybody else. It's not. And I'll, I'll take it one step further. Like, I kind of get annoyed. Not You're not doing this, but, like... And I get the playoff stuff with Julius. Like, you're right. He's over... Not even two. He's over three in terms of playoff series where he basically didn't help and like i i just the rj barrett shit like i can't i just can't with him like julius plays in the same spacing and and even and in the regular season was very good at getting to the rim and also helping our spacing out and he's a lot bigger and he faced much better defenders than rj barrett you want to know why he's able to score and get to the rim and score at the rim despite the quote-unquote poor spacing, it's because he's good, and R.J. Barrett is not. Like, that's what they're... Like, to your point, if you have two elite shooters and a center who other teams can't really ignore yeah, and, and, because and, and, of the and, offensive rebounding... Right, and that's that's what Miami did. Like, people were like, yeah. oh, Mitch got eliminated from the series. It's like, okay, but how did that happen? <laughs> like, how did that happen? They were dedicating attention to him. It's not like he just disappeared. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you mean cellar. the mini fridge. Yeah, it's a mini yeah, it's fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.